There is a flurry around the office. The boss has come in early and left late nearly every day this week. It's not unusual for him to get a jump start on the day, but he has never come in this early this many days in a row, at least not in the last four years. But he is clearly on a mission. He's come out of his office more this week to talk with the frontline staff than he has in the last month, and he's been fielding calls at work from his wife more and more. When he steps out of the office with a phone glued to his ear, he looks worried. What is happening? Is he worried? Should we be worried? Is the boss leaving? Is the company closing? Are we all losing our jobs? How will I feed my three dogs, two cats, and one parakeet? <laughs> Maybe I'll feed the cats with the parakeet. For the last few weeks, there's been a cloud over the office, but one Wednesday, the cloud cleared. The boss's administrative assistant came rushing in the door with an overnight package. I overheard her say, Your passport arrived just in time. He stepped into the workspace and announced he was heading out of the country on a long-awaited, long-overdue overseas vacation. And all the worry and all the flurry of phone calls had been firming up vacation plans, especially plans to leave the country. We all breathed a little easier when we left that Wednesday because we knew we would still have our jobs when we came in on Thursday. I felt bad for jumping to the worst possible scenario in my mind, but I had never seen him so flustered. He was usually so calm. The last day before he left for vacation, his desk was as clean and clear as the day he moved in. The worry on his face transferred to his assistant as she realized his work would be her work for the next two weeks. Unless she could find a satellite phone that reached the center of the Caribbean, she would not be able to call him when she didn't know what to do. From company to company, corporation to corporation, even church to church, this scene is nearly the same when the boss is about to go on vacation or a business trip, especially if the boss is leaving the country. And we're going to hear a story from Scripture a lot like that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host. Happy to be with you today. Our episode is titled, My Part in the Kingdom of God, and it's part of our brand new spring series called Parables of Kingdom Truths. Today's episode stems from Matthew 25, verses 14 to 15. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. In Jesus' parable of the talents from Matthew 25, the master of the house came out of the house to search for his three most loyal employees. When the master found them, he asked one of them to load one bag onto the wagon while he opened another. They had never seen so much money. One talent alone was valued at 20 years of salary, and eight talents were just an arm's length away. The boss lifted out five of those talents and handed his first servant all five. This money would take care of him for a hundred years. The boss reached in again, lifted up two talents, and gave them to the second servant. And finally, the boss reached into the bag a third time, picked up the one remaining talent, still worth 20 years of salary, and gave it to the last one. 
Jesus intentionally said the master of the servants left immediately and left his servants holding the money in their hands. But before they quit their jobs and went on a spending spree, they understood the money's not ours. It belongs to the boss. He earned it. He's free to do with it whatever he wants, but we're not. Clearly in this parable, the master represents our Lord and the talents represent the gifts he gives us. We don't deserve more than we have, and we should not bemoan anybody for having more than we have. All of the gifts God gives, gifts to sing, gifts to preach, gifts to teach, administer, easily make friends, easily make money, work with our hands, work with our minds, all of those gifts belong to God. They belong to Him before He ever gave them to us. And all the gifts God gives, our houses, our vehicles, our clothes, our food, it all belonged to God before He ever gave them to us. And we should use these gifts for God's glory. Let me ask you a hypothetical question. How would you feel if your boss came to you tomorrow, opened up a briefcase, counted off 10,000 crisp $100 bills, handed them to you, and rode off to the airport? What would you do with the money? I would probably get a Caniac combo. That's, sorry, confession, good for the soul. The name tags Jesus slapped on these men read servants. This message is for all humanity, but Jesus only spoke it to his disciples. There was nary a hardened sinner to be found in the whole congregation when he preached this parable. Jesus hinted that just spending time in the master's house is not enough. We are called to invest the gifts God gave us because he expects a return on his investment when he returns. When the dust cleared, the Bible reads, He that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. The first servant was savvier than most. He wore expensive suits and sipped coffee with brokers and bankers. Many bosses may have worried handing over so much money to one servant, but this servant was promising. The servant traded, bartered, bought, sold, and he earned five more talents. When his master returned, the servant would hand over ten talents talents, nearly 200 years worth of wages. The second servant was different. While his stockbroker servant friend had smooth hands and wore expensive suits, this servant had calloused hands and wore work boots. He knew what seeds to plant and when to plant them. He carried his two talents into town, bought as many seeds as the two talents could buy, and then he went home and planted them when the time was right. His work was different from the first servant, but just as valuable. Although he was given less and gained less, Jesus did not paint him as bitter or resentful, but as grateful for the opportunity to invest his master's money and give him a return on that investment. Here's a question. Why do we often battle resentment when somebody else is promoted or blessed more than us? And how do we stave off that resentment? The third servant stood and watched his two friends run into the marketplace to make more money for their master. Surely he could do something. He could invest his master's money, but he's not a risk taker. He's one of those guys who carried around an umbrella on cloudless days just in case. Jesus drew this servant in greater detail than the others. Maybe Jesus spent more time on him because most of us identify with him. Just ordinary people doing ordinary jobs. Abraham Lincoln said, Quote, God must love the common people because he made so many of them, end quote. Rather than run into town, he walked to the shed, found a shovel, and dug a hole deep enough to bury the talent. He may not have gained, but he didn't lose either. 
Surely his master would be satisfied to get back exactly what he gave. And some may read the story and deduce the master loved the five-talent servant more than the one-talent servant, but that's not true at all. He knew them, and he knew what they could do. He knew they were different. He knew they came with their own gifts. He did not underestimate the first servant by giving him too little. Neither did he overwhelm the second servant by giving him too much. That's why he gave them differing gifts according to their differing abilities to be a blessing with what they were given. My beloved God's word for life, friends, don't be jealous or resentful. Jesus knows what we can handle. He will not underestimate our ability by giving us too little or overwhelm our ability by giving us too much. It might be honesty, it might be humility, it may be a little bit of both, but few of us would profess to be a five-talent servant. Those are the people who can crochet, ride a unicycle, play the kazoo, drop a transmission, and make a key lime pie that will make your lips pucker and eyes water. They are gifted people. A few more of us would profess to be a two-talent servant. God has given us a few gifts and talents. But more of us might profess to be a one-talent servant. God has given us the ability to do one thing, and we want to do it well. Whatever gift or gifts God gave you, use those gifts to give glory to Him. This parable points out there is room in the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad? There's room in the kingdom of God for five-talent servants, for two-talent servants, and for one-talent servants. James was right to write, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James 1 verse 17. James summed up the principle of this parable. Every gift we have comes from God and should be used to glorify God and to bless his kingdom. If God gave you the gift to work on vehicles, ask your pastor if you can help keep the van serviced or provide a service to people in the church who can't afford routine maintenance, maybe widows or people on fixed income who can't afford an oil change. Perhaps you could help them out. If God gave you the gift to cook, oh, by all means, cook. Cook for funerals, cook for fellowships. Maybe God gifted you with creativity. We'll invest that into your church's website or social media or print promotions. The gifts God has given us are more than just us making money. They are for us to glorify God and help make disciples. So let me ask you, what would you say is your most skillful God-given gift? And how are you using it for the glory of God? Their master was away for a while, but one day without warning, he returned. The chauffeur pulled past the front door, parked between the pillars, and the servants came out to greet the boss. It would have been easier to keep the sun from shining than to keep the first servant from smiling. It brought him joy to see his master so pleased. His master put his hand on the servant's shoulder, smiled, and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The second servant stepped up with his dirt-covered hands full, two talents in one hand, two in the other. And just like he did for the first servant, the master put his hand on this servant's shoulder and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The master did not scold the second servant for doing less than the first because he doubled what he was given, just like the first servant. When the Lord Jesus returns, he will not ask you why you did not preach on Sundays if he did not gift you to preach on Sundays. And he certainly will not ask you why you did not repair the vans if you struggled to start a leaf blower. 
We find abundant joy when we use the gifts God gave us to glorify Him and make disciples for Him. Our third friend, though, cue the minor music. Trusted in himself and himself alone. He wasn't overly gifted. He buried his talent and he did nothing to bless the boss. And he told the boss, he had some chutzpah, he said, you know, you're not the easiest guy in the world to work for. And the boss said, I know. So why didn't you take the talent to the bank? It could have at least drawn some interest. That would have given me a little more when I came back than I gave you when I went away. And then the master acted in a way many of us would deem unfair. He commanded, take the one talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten. And before we have a chance to ask why, Jesus gave us the because. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, verses 29 through 30. These sentences sound cruel to our sensitivities. It does not sound fair. The ten-talent servant had enough. At least let the one-talent servant keep what little he had. But Jesus was letting us know what matters to him. It is not what we have, and it's not how much we have. It is what we do with what we have. Last question. In addition to skills and talents, what other gifts from God might we use for the glory of God? Let me give you a little primer. What about our finances? What about our friendships? What about our influences? If God only gave you one talent, he does not expect you to bring back five. He expects you to take the one talent he gave you and invest it to glorify God and bless his kingdom. If he gave you two talents, he expects you to use both of them for his glory and to bless his kingdom. And if you're one of the fortunate few to whom he gave five talents, well, while you're riding your unicycle and dropping the transmission at the same time, be thankful and use those talents to point people to Jesus, not just to you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's all about him. As Jesus said in Luke 12, to whom much is given, much is required. So use every one of those gifts as a means to bring glory to God. There is great joy in glorifying God and using the gifts he gave you to make disciples for him. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. In the lesson, in the companion lesson guide, we have a handout, a worksheet that's available for you to fill out. And I would like you to write down, if you are in a place where you can write down, if you're driving, then just try to write it down in your mind. But I'd like you to write down the gifts God has given you. Think about the skills you have. Think about the things you love to do, the things you're able to do, the things you're good at. And they don't have to be pulpit or even platform gifts. You may never hold a microphone, and that's okay. Maybe you're a butcher. Maybe you're a baker. Maybe you're a candlestick maker. Maybe you're a builder. Maybe you're into repairing or typing or knitting or crocheting or designing or writing. Whatever your gifts are, think about them. Write them down on a worksheet or on a piece of paper or just keep them in your mind. And then ask God for some God-given ways to use the God-given gifts for His glory and for His kingdom. Maybe you can help bake for guests who come on Sundays. 
Maybe you can help keep the church campus clean or in good repair. If God uses you to design at work, how could you use those design gifts at church to glorify God and bless his kingdom? Ask yourself, what are you doing with your God-given gifts? God is not impressed if you can fill out an entire worksheet, if you can fill the paper with all the gifts he's given you. Glory to God, but he gave them to you. So if you only have one line filled out, that's okay. God is more interested in how we are using the many or the few gifts we have for his glory. Starting today, use those gifts for the glory of God and for this holy, noble, high calling of making disciples. I'd like us to pray for God to show us the gifts and talents he's given us. Maybe you're drawing a blank and you're thinking, I'm not really good at a lot, but you're good at something. Surely there's something God has given you you can give back to him for his glory. And then let's ask the Lord to help us to use those gifts and talents for his glory and to bless his kingdom. Jesus, I thank you today for the gifts you've given us. Truly, James was right. Every gift, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from you. I pray, Lord Jesus, help us to know what those are. Point those out to us. Let us see them and then let us use them. Help us to use every gift you have given us for your glory, for the sake of making disciples. Lord Jesus, that what we do at work, we could help do in the church in some measure, or what we do at home, we could help do at the church in some measure to be a blessing to you and to others. We ask you, Lord Jesus, use us for your glory. I pray it. I thank you for it. We will not bury our talent, but we will give it back to you for you to use. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe and share. Don't miss an episode. Also, click the notification bell so you'll make sure you know every time a new episode drops, which is typically around Friday, around noon Eastern time. And get ready, Spring Forward is coming up. I think that's this weekend. And then the following week is one of my favorite days of the year, Pi Day, March 14th. So enjoy that. Speaking of enjoy, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com and enjoy 10% off your entire order. That's right, folks, your entire order by using promo code GWFL, the number 10, GWFL10. You can save 10% off using the God's Word for Life promo code. You can find everything from Bibles to Bible studies to books, devotionals, music, you name it, it's there. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com and pick up those wonderful resources or as my Canadian friends say, resources. Next week, we continue the parables. I love the parables of Jesus. We continue the parables, and we're going to hear an episode called The Father is Waiting, and it's about the prodigal son parable. That's a good one. Looking forward to sharing it with you, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.